I'm really glad that in God's plan, he orchestrated us to spend this afternoon together uh, to be together, to worship him, and to hear a word that is fresh for LIAC. This isn't a word that I preached in like seven other churches. This is like homemade, special for, uh, for all of you as I've been praying for us, uh, as I've been praying for myself, for my family. Um, God has given me a fresh word. Today we're going um, to look in the Bible at an account uh, where Jesus really reflects his heart and character, which really is a reflection of God's heart and character for each of us and for this community, for myself, for my family. And uh, I believe God's going to challenge us on some things. I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I do in New York City with my family. We have a video to show. But I want to start things off by saying, you know, this is January. And this is 2019, how time flies. I remember when it was 2000. And people were concerned about their computers. And here we are, 2019. And as most people do, I started reflecting on 2018. So let me just give you a recap of 2018. 2018 was a good year for me, for Ray, and for my family. 2018, um, one of the highlights of 2018 was my son, Jaden, who's with us. He's 14 now in high school, but he graduated from middle school valedictorian. And it was one of those, yes, shout out to my boy. It was one of those situations where we didn't know, like we were in this beautiful hall where they had the ceremony. They didn't tell us in advance. We kind of knew he was up there, like maybe top five, top three maybe. And when they said his name, I was ecstatic. I was so overjoyed. My son Roel got an award, a leadership award from his school, which is a pretty prestigious award because our, his school that um, he attends is a very rigorous school with good leadership and they make you work hard. And uh, that was a highlight. Um, my wife and I, Sarah, were doing well in our marriage, continuing to grow. So overall, it was a good year, okay? Ministry was going well, started uh, leading a new team. We were gelling really well. We have good relationships. So we're getting to 20, the end of 2018, okay? I'm talking about the last day of 2018. I said, you know what, we're going to go as a family we're going to go to New Jersey for like five days. We're going to enter into 2019. We're going to be chilling. We went to, uh, to this area near Princeton, New Jersey. Went to the battlefield of Princeton where I could reflect, you know, walk the battlefield where George Washington beat the British in a very key strategic battle. It was very symbolic, very something I would do as I closed out the year. And we're finally the last day of the year. And I had been working on this, this project, okay, with a partner in ministry. So I'm a missionary. I have to raise support so that we could reach the kids that God has called us to reach. And I had this one, this one partner in ministry who is a major donor. When I say major donor, this person is wealthy and usually contributes uh, a large, large amount of finances for our work. So I had been working since May on this, 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 uh, this partnership deal, 
and I was calling him and working. We met face to face. So we're at the last day of the year, and I'm waiting to get his response. And I remember we went to a restaurant, um, and we were, we were waiting for our table to, 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 to be ready, and I got the call. And I was like, all right, 2018, we're going to go down big with this deal because we needed this. And I get the call. My heart's racing, and I talk with him, and he tells me he's not going forward with the deal. He's not going to make this contribution that we were counting on. That was a blow. That was not the way I was expecting to end 2018. For those of you Fortnite players, like, you know when you're playing duos or squad and you get knocked down and you're crawling on the ground? Like, I was down. I was down, and my family, I mean, I went from being happy to coming back to our table, and you could just tell. Like, it was like I got punched in the stomach. Life was taken out of me. Because in the work that I do, I'm trusting God. I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm a missionary trusting God to provide and working really hard to do everything that I know I can do so that we can reach these kids with the gospel. And I was hoping, I'm so idealistic, I was just thinking, this is going to be one of the greatest years ever. And I got hit with that. And I, I don't know, maybe some of you, you've experienced disappointment like that. Whether it's a business deal or a relationship that you really valued and something happens there. Maybe there's betrayal or just huge disappointment or maybe it's a physical thing and you're trusting God to come through and bring healing. And it just doesn't go the way you were hoping it would go. And I found myself in the days following just like really sad. I, I, I would say even depressed, like, God, what, what's going on? Like, and really nervous and worried. And so I would want to say to you, like, everything's great, everything's always good, but that's not life, is it? Life isn't that way. We go through ups and downs. So I come to you today uh, having sought God about this and receiving a word from him that I believe will encourage us. Um, I work for an organization called Young Life. Our mission is to introduce adolescents to Jesus Christ and help them grow in their faith. Uh, we live in New York City. We live in Manhattan. My focus right now is the borough of Queens, where there are about half a million young people that we are seeking to reach. We have a team of eight incredibly gifted, called, passionate leaders and we want kids to know that there is a God who loves them, who believes in them, and who's asking them to believe in him. I want to show you this video.
Okay. So here we are. Um, I was disappointed. You know, in Jesus's time, like the people, the people were going through a lot. Uh, at the time, the, the Roman Empire was occupying uh, the, the, the places that God's people lived in. And there was oppression. And uh, Jesus was on a mission. Uh, I'm taking a new course uh, called New Testament. It's a master's level course uh, through Fuller Theological Seminary. And I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it. I had the opportunity to just spend significant time this week reading through the whole book of Luke. And one of the things that I love about um, Luke's account, Luke was a physician and he, he tells in the beginning, uh, Theophilus, that he's created this orderly account. And I love order. I love organization. And I love the way he starts. He starts by showing us Jesus comes on the scene. Now you would imagine God coming to earth, coming on the scene. He's the king of kings, the creator of the cosmos. That when he was born, there would be like the Ritz. He would pick the nicest, most luxurious hotel to be born in. That it would be a grand spectacle. King of kings is showing on the scene. And, but it wasn't the case. Luke shows us that he was... He was born and there wasn't even a place for his parents to have him. He was, he, was, he was a king who was humble and was willing to be born in a manger. And he was willing to do that because Jesus was on mission. It tells us in the rest of Luke as you read that he became a young man, uh, 12 years old, and they go back to worship and he's... The family leaves and they realize a day later that, well, yo, where's Jesus at? Anybody seen Jesus? They ask his aunt Elizabeth, yo, where's, where's Jesus? His cousin, nobody knows where he is. Then they go back and they find Jesus kicking it in the, in the synagogue with the teachers of the law, like breaking things down. Um, Jesus grew in stature. He was, he was growing in, his, in, in, in favor with, with God and with man. And, and then he finally... He gets of age where he's ready to embark on what uh, would be, this would be it. This would be the thing he was created for. He was coming to seek and to save that which was lost. And he starts his ministry and he's praying and he picks his disciples and they're on mission. And he knows he has to, he's going to heal the sick. He's going to open the eyes of the blind. He's come to set the captives free. He rose up. Uh, to church one day, synagogue then, and they're reading from the scroll of Isaiah. And I mean, Jesus is like amazing. Like they read the passage where the prophet says that this person who is anointed would come uh, to set the captives free. And he, he, has, he reads that and he says to them like a boss, today this is fulfilled in your presence. Jesus was on mission. And Jesus' mission was to seek and save the lost. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go back to this scripture. I want to read it for you. Um, so follow along with me. Luke chapter 19. So Jesus, at this point, his end is near. He's been traveling. He's been ministering. 
I mean, he's Facebook famous, Instagram, like everyone, they didn't have social media, but people knew who Jesus was because people were in need and they knew that he provided something unique. He was providing healing. He was setting people free. He was raising the dead. And at this point, he knew now it was time to do what he had come to do, and that was to die for our sin and to finish his mission. And he was heading to Jericho, but I mean to Jerusalem. But on his way, it says he entered Jericho and passing through, there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. And he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead. He climbed up a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And it says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once. And welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to, the, to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Salvation is here. Salvation is here today. And Jesus provides salvation for us, for his sons and daughters, for those lost, so that we could be saved, so that we could experience rescue so that we could find the help that we need. And I love this story because it reveals um, two important truths. Truth number one is this. Jesus came to save us. Jesus, God's heart for humanity is that we would not be lost. God's heart for humanity is that broken sinners would know that there is a place where they could find help and healing. Jesus, Jesus was the kind of person that people felt safe being around. Especially sinners. In this text, it points out that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. I was wondering, what, what was that? What was his job description? How much did he get paid? I don't know, but I know that he was wealthy because it says he was wealthy. And God, God loves all people, wealthy, poor, doesn't matter. The reality is this guy was broken. There was something missing in his life. He wanted to see Jesus. And I love that in this passage, it says that Jesus was walking through he stops where Zacchaeus was, looks up at him, knows his name, calls him out and says, hey, please come down here. I need to stay at your house. And it says that 
in Jesus, Zacchaeus, something happened there. Something happened where his heart was changed to the point that he was willing to undo the things that he had done wrong. It says in this passage, Today, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus' response is, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For I came to seek and to save those who are lost. We as a people need to be a haven for those who are fallen. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, okay? But every single person here, if I was to ask you, have you ever sinned? I would expect every hand to go up. Whether you're the oldest Christian in this room, in some way, shape, or form, whether it's now or in the past, we have wrestled with sin, even as a Christian. Amen? The world that lives around us, whether they know God or not, they are entrapped in sinful behavioral patterns that have consequences, that make life difficult, that make life as hard as it is. But when you don't know God, there's no, there's no way out of that. Sure, we can try medication or we can try a variety of counterfeit solutions. But the reality is that only in God can we find salvation. Can we find the abundant life? We need to be, Jesus was a safe haven for sinners. And God is calling us to be that way as well. Secondly, Jesus cared about those in need. So much so that we don't know, you know, I wondered, like, okay, so Zacchaeus, he comes down from this tree. I wonder how short he was. I wonder how much he weighed, what he looked like. We don't get that. We do know he had a house. He threw a party for Jesus. And we, we don't know what the conversation was like. How did he get from wanting to just see Jesus to then saying, look, right here now, like, Half of what I robbed from people, I'm giving back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of the poor. How, how did he get there? We don't know that. But what we do know, if you're going to study the Bible, if you want to understand the Bible, look at what's written before the text. Look what's written after the text. We see throughout all of Luke, Jesus cared for those that were struggling. And Jesus wanted those who had wealth and resources to care about those who were suffering. Whether it's a woman who has an ailment, he healed her. A parent whose son or daughter was possessed in some way. Jesus cared about the less fortunate. And in this passage, we see the gospel impacted this wealthy guy so much that he was going to do something about those poor people, those that were disadvantaged. He was going to give out of his resources. And you see that happen throughout the scripture. So as we look at this, as we look at it for ourselves, LIAC, 
Are we on mission like Jesus? Are we on mission like Jesus? Number one, do you need salvation? I don't know if everyone here is a Christian, but I would imagine that there could be someone here who, who hasn't started that relationship with God. God, Jesus' purpose for coming to earth was that we would have salvation, that we would be saved from the things in our life that would undo us. Or maybe you're a Christian who is dealing with a sin that you just you don't know the way out. You just know it's there. You figure, ah, you know what? If I come to church, I worship a little bit here and there. Um, somehow it'll balance out because you just don't know how to undo it. Jesus, Jesus is calling us into salvation. You know, in the in earlier on in Luke, you know, when he refers in Zacchaeus that this right, this guy right here is the son of Abraham. Um, in the beginning of Luke, John the Baptist. Uh, when he was preaching a baptism of repentance, um, he says to them, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And God is calling us, he wants us to produce, we can step into relationship with him where we ask him, Lord, help us to produce uh, fruit that demonstrates that we're turning away from these things in our lives. And God wants us to be concerned with those that are in need. I want us to look at this as I conclude. I want us to think about ways that we can apply um, this truth. What sin are you dealing with that's weighing you down? God is calling us to own those sins. Um, so that we can be released from them and experience an abundant joy that comes from experiencing the grace of God. I think a sad thing for us as a church or as Christians or for anyone is when people, including ourselves, feel like we can't be vulnerable about those areas in our lives that don't align with the truth of God's word. I think it's a sad thing if we're caught in, 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 in some form of, of, of living that we know isn't aligned with God, but we're ashamed to be real about it. You guys ever heard of like Alcoholics Anonymous? When you go to a, a meeting like that, uh, usually when you're introduced, you'll say, hi, my name is so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic. And everyone does that so that everyone knows, yo, we're all on the same page here. The church needs to be a place that we should call Sinners Anonymous. Hi, my name is Ray. I'm a sinner. Hi, Ray. And everyone says it so we know we're all on the same page here. There isn't like, you know, first class, coach, business class. Like, no, we're all in the same class. And because of that, we can experience the grace and the life, the abundant life that Jesus has given us. God is calling us to a place of owning our sin and dealing with it so that we can experience 
the joy that he has for us. So that like the woman who wept at his feet, just washing his feet with her tears and her hair, that others criticized, she was overflowing with gratitude because God had forgiven her so much. And I feel like sometimes we as Christians, we miss out on a deeper love and a deeper appreciation of God because we've not given Him those sins that entangle us and we've not experienced the goodness and the grace and the depth of His love because we're ashamed and we're fearful that God will reject us. And it might be because we've experienced rejection from Christians, but that is not the kind of people God calls us to be. We are to be a haven for those who are struggling, who are broken, who have a desire to be with God and know that they need His salvation. Step into God's love and His salvation. Some of us might be lost in fear of the unknown, Things that you were hoping would come through, fall through, and you're discouraged. Are you worried? Are you worried like the two sisters, Martha and Mary? One of them was worried about getting things ready, getting, getting the house together, having guests. You're worried about life. You're worried about circumstances. How are we going to pay this mortgage? How am I going to you know, make enough money to move into this new house or new apartment? Or how am I going to take care of my family? Or how am I going to get into this school? How am I going to find... Uh, the things that I'm desiring and God is saying there's only a few things you should be concerned about come to me are we a community who cares for the poor are we a community who cares for the needy do we have resources that we could share that we can give to help those um, that are in need I have a, a guy that I know I just found this out recently he made $8,000 last year Total, $8,000 lives in New York City, one of the most expensive places in the world. He's an adult, $8,000. He's afraid to go. He doesn't know what to do when he's sick. He can't go to urgent care. He can't go to the doctor. He has no health insurance. These are real issues that people are dealing with. And we as a church in some way should be responding to these needs. Are we a kind of people when someone shares their sin, do we, do we treat them the way that Jesus treated them, tenderly? Do we embrace their vulnerability and love them through it? You know, in this scripture, there are the sinners and tax collectors, and then there are the Pharisees. You remember what they said about Jesus when he went to be a guest of this Zacchaeus? They muttered, they, they complained, they grumbled like, why is he going to hang out with them? Are we as Christians a people who want to distance ourselves from those people who don't have their lives together? Or are we a people reaching out to those people and welcome, welcoming them in and showing them the way of salvation? The Pharisees, they failed to have a restoring and, and welcoming heart towards the penitent. I pray that we would not be that way. I pray that LIAC would be known in this community as a place where anyone could come in and there's a safe, there's something, there's something special about that place, whether they're a Jewish person, Hispanic person, 
African American, like, it doesn't matter. I want to be there because there's something special. There, there, that's a haven to find help for life. I want to conclude with this. If you find yourself discouraged, um, God loves to save us. God loves to rescue us. That's his thing. And I would say that the Lord reminded me in my own disappointment that I need to rely on him. He's the ultimate source of all our provision, my provision. And I've really stepped up my prayer life. I'm working on um, just spending more time bringing these concerns to the Lord instead of worrying about all these different things that I have to do. Jesus said to the sisters, one of them complained, Yo, why are you just letting me do all this work and she's chilling sitting at your feet? He said to her, there are a few things to do, really only one, and she has chosen that, and I will not take that from her. This week, the Lord who brings salvation, not just 2,000 years ago, but today, is saying, come unto me, you that are weary. Enter into my rest. Come to him through prayer. Make time for him. Let him ease your concerns. Let him encourage you. Let him speak to you. Let him do something supernatural. I look forward to coming back and sharing with you how God showed up in 2019. I look forward to coming back and telling you how we're working with teen moms who are poor and we're helping them to find the King of Kings. I look back to give you a report of how God is expanding the work that we're doing in New York City, how he's working in our family, how he's helping to keep me going. But God had a word for you today. Salvation is here. Whatever that is that you need, it is here. That is God's mission, and he loves you. Let's pray. Jesus, I, I love you. There's no one like you, like you. You are amazing. Thank you for so unselfishly coming to this crazy planet. Thank you, Lord, for loving all kinds of people, poor people, rich people. Thank you, Lord, that you give us hope, you give us a future, that you never leave us, you never forsake us. My prayer, Lord, is that LIAC would be a safe haven for anyone who's lost, who feels they just lost their way, like the guy we saw in the video who said he went too far, that this would be a place, a magnet, a place that we ourselves would want to be a part of, a place that we want to bring people in, that it would be like an urgent care, like an emergency room, where your spirit dwells here so powerfully and ministers so powerfully that eradicates shame and disgrace where all can boldly approach your throne of grace and find the help that they need, Lord. Where real needs can be met, practical needs, through the body of Christ, through the network of your people, through the generosity of your saints. I pray against discouragement. I pray against the lies of the enemy who would say there is no hope. There is hope, Lord. And I pray that you would breathe life into my brothers and sisters this week, that they would go forth into this new week with strength, with a sense of faith that you are with them, that you'll never leave them, never forsake them. They would be on mission, Lord. 
Not just to be comfortable, but to help rescue others who are lost, who need the light of Christ. Bless this body, Lord. Thank you for this body, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.